everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt. Mike, welcome back for your well-deserved second vacation in the past yeah. month. Yep. We had a predicament. Mike and I have not missed a Jet game since, like, travel baseball back in the high school days but mike was on his vacation and his flight was directly in the middle of the game so before that he left for his flight he said obviously i'm going to have my phone on airplane mode i'm not going to look at anything and i'm going to go home and watch the game i did think the checking was going to be on in the flight too but it mm-hmm. wasn't and they i honored to- it i honored your request i didn't want to tell you what happened i wanted you to go home and watch the game yes but as so- the game went on and and, and so forth I I felt bad letting you watch that game by yourself and having to go through that entire, you know, sequence of events. So then you FaceTime me after you landed. And I think there's a question for the audience and whoever's listening. What would you do if your friend was like, please do not tell me anything. Don't give me any indication of what happened. But you lose 43 and have your worst loss since December of 2016. What do you do? Well, yeah, I had no, I, I did not know anything. So I landed again. Of course, my phone was on airplane mode. I was watching a movie on the flight. I thought I could watch the game, but I couldn't. And then I, I get down, immediate FaceTime to Matt. You know, it was a tough situation. Yeah, and and you didn't you see one thing though? You saw one thing. That was later. I saw something about Geno Smith. So I wasn't sure. I thought maybe Russell Wilson got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure. I mean, the I didn't... Jets were blowing them out, and they just wanted to rest, rest Russell Wilson. Who knows? Well, that's the thing. If you you could have been pissed about the game because the Jets had won, mm-hmm. so that was the. the I difference. think I did a good acting job. I kind of looked at you. I didn't even like. I only showed my eyes, and I was like, <laughs> I kind of need to tell you something. I don't know if I should or not. I think we hung up and then refacetime because you got in trouble in the airport for having your phone out. Yeah. But then I said, "All right, man." It was 40 to three. And I told him, I, I was like, I can't, you can watch the highlights, do the 12 minute video of highlights. You still might watch the whole game, but you can't go into that game with the thought of, Oh, it's a clean slate and the jets might win. They might play tough. No, it was can't. a disaster. On all no, points. I would have, cause that's literally what I would have done. It would have been. Couldn't, couldn't do it to you, but no, the, you did po- the responsible thing. You had to. The only positive is that Darnold didn't have three turnovers, which he probably should have had two, if not three. You don't want to have Sam go out and suck and have his trade value go down and just have this dude leave the Jets and just in utter just failure. I don't want that to happen. We want the Jets to lose out. Yes, can they lose out without Darnold having four interceptions or four turnovers a game? Yes. So Sam also, Perryman dropped a couple of first downs that would have extended drives in the red zone, and then we would have gotten to see you know, Josh Adams or Frank Gore run right up the middle three times. So that would have been interesting. And then there was the no call on the Perryman pass interference in the end zone, you know, and then we would have gotten to see Josh Adams or Frank Gore run right up the middle probably three times. But yeah, so like, like you said, the, you know, the Seahawks dropped a couple of picks, Jamal, the obvious one that everyone's talking about, but um Sam could have had a little more. 
You know, if the Jets score one of those touchdowns in the first half, it's, you know, not such a blowout. Obviously, yeah. if it ends up 40-10, to 10, it is. And the Jets missed three field goals, of course. Um, Sergio Castillo, the tank king again. Just, he had a good spark the first few games. We thought maybe this guy could be a potential bring back in 2021. Obviously not the case, missing three field goals inside 45 yards. Uh, really just a not not good performance by Sergio. But again, the Jets are down the entire game and have less pass attempts than the other team, which just continues to blow my mind. Russell Wilson had 27 attempts. Geno Smith threw the ball five times. Darnold was 14 for 26, 132 yards. Every it, time. It doesn't matter. If we, when other teams lose 40 to 3, the quarterback throws the ball 50 times. 50 times, 45 times. Yeah, and even looking back to Darnold rookie year, Darnold sophomore year, you think to yourself, oh, even in these tough games, he still throws for 260 yards. They let him throw a little bit. Darnold will not grow if you throw the ball 23, 22 times a game. It's just a type of thing that Adam Gates from the get-go, he calls the least amount of plays in the NFL. In games that you're running the ball effectively, be my guest and pound the rock and do whatever you want. It almost worked during the Raiders game. But then yesterday, if you look at the rushing stats, Josh Adams, who had the least amount of carries but had the best game, was 6 for 27. Gore, 8 for 23 and a costly fumble. Ty Johnson, 8 for 16. And Mike, I don't know if they showed it in the highlight. The Jets ran a halfback toss to Ty Johnson, but it was like an HB dive. So they, they tossed it, and, and Ty Johnson ran up the center. And it, went, it was like a negative three-yard loss. Just everything looked out of sorts. We don't know who's calling the fucking plays. We don't know anything about this team. I want to sim to the end of the season right now. I cannot deal with this for three more games. Yeah, it's it's getting... I mean, it's been old for weeks. It's, it's, it's very... Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, like you said, there's just no adjustment. Adam Gase came out again and said today th- that... If P. Ryan plays next week, they're gonna aim, they're they're gonna integrate him as well, and they're gonna keep Gore in the running back rotation. He said about the game on Sunday that he didn't. You know, people were asking why is Gore getting so many carries, and he's like, we didn't. We had too many three and outs. That wasn't you know my game plan. Change the fucking game plan. What are you doing? Why is Frank? I mean, and I I actually I like Frank Gore. I appreciate. You know, I'm sure he's good for these younger guys, for Ty Johnson and Josh Adams and P. Ryan, and he practices hard. And that, it does matter. You know, people mocked it on Twitter all the time. It is important to have guys like that in the locker room. But, I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to script the game and say, hey, look, we're going to give, you know, one-third of the carries to this guy, one-third to this guy, one-third to this guy. And then no matter what, do that. No matter the opponent, no matter the situation, throw the ball more if you're losing 40-3. to three. Go and hurry up offense. Try to do something. It's very uh, – it's weird to watch. Of course, I rewatched the game after. Um, man. It's confusing, though. Like, at what point do you have – Barrios have three catches. Perryman have three catches. Jaleel Scott has a catch. Jeff Smith catch. Crowder, two. Josh Adams, two. Like, that's your production in the passing game, who you're throwing to. And I hate that the script plays, to your point. Gase talked about when they were arguing about whether it's 
um, you know, scripting plays, who's calling it. He said, you know what? We, we go into the, each drive with three plays, and I just read into the headset. How do you go into a drive with three plays? What if on first down you get a two-yard loss? Your second down should not be the same and if you get a five-yard gain. Like, it doesn't make even, sense. Why are we even talking about this? Like, how is that even – like, do, isn't there some coach in the staff that says that to him? It's unbelievable. And, and Darnell went on the case show, and he, again – all he does is take accountability for everything. Each week he sounds sadder and he's more open to saying, hey, look, I really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's, it's just all a horrible mess that I never expected to happen. Now here we are. Me and Mike are team Trevor Lawrence. If you get the first pick, you have to take Trevor Lawrence. We get that. All we said from week one to five was, look, you can't jump off Sam Darnold through five games. The NFL can change quickly. Very and we simple. believe we believed in Sam. And Very we, simple. We, we, and probably, then, we still do, but to, not to the same extent because Sam hasn't performed. But you know, it's not. It was not a crazy take by us to say, and week four when the Jets are zero and three, and just the previous month, people said Sam Darnold's the savior. He had the film. He produced last year, and we were excited about him. You know, it wasn't crazy for us to say that. No, it's not crazy. It's the correct take. It's not. It's literally the correct take. There's it, no right. There's, look, my my art, my frustration with Jets Twitter early on was I found all the receipts. Hey, Darnold's the best. Darnold's the best. Darnold's the best. He had a bad game against Buffalo, an okay game against 49ers. At that point, when he goes against the Colts and plays with no one, and everyone is saying that you need to go 0 and 16, I say hold the fuck up. If we're 0 and 12 and 0 and 11, then we can talk about that. At 0 and 3. We need to see what we have with our quarterback, and we can't jump on him right now. What happened? A lot of people jumped on him. A lot of people stuck with him, which my big take on Twitter yesterday, which was it got a lot of love. It got some hate. You can want Trevor Lawrence, and you could say, hey, look, the Jets ruined Sam Darnold. I feel bad for him, but it's better if both sides move on and we just don't have to shit on this guy on the way out. I don't like people making Darnold into a meme. I don't like people saying, dude, Darnold fucking sucks. Get over it. No, that's that's probably not the best take. You could say, look, Darnold's underperformed vastly given the circumstances. Does he need to play better? Yes. Is it better off if we move on him? Yes. But what do you what do you gain out of saying, oh, this guy sucks? Like, that's your guy, dude. It makes me so and You're mad. probably going to end up being wrong anyway because he'll probably go somewhere and be good. But even, you know, like last year, you go back to all the time, Darnold's seven and six. 19 touchdowns, 13 picks, 3,000 yards. He was on pace for 3,800 yards if he played uh, a full season and completed 62% of his passes. We haven't seen anything like this. And that was his age 22 season. He's making highlight throws. We were uh, right to be excited about him. Fans were right to be excited about him. What's happened this year is a travesty. Um, And, you know, you could put, of course, some blame on Darnold, and we have, but – like you said, to just jump on this guy and, and, you know, it's too uh, polarizing of a take to say, to hate him, to hate him. He sucks. Like it's not, it's just bizarre. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. You got to remember when you look at Sam Darnold, he, he leads the jets in history going into the year in yards per game. So he's the first time you have a legit quarterback. And a year of that was with Todd Bowles and other years with Adam Gase. So you said, okay, through, Two years, he's first in on the, in team history in passing yards per game. Okay, and he has been playing phenomenal. He played 
okay his rookie year, and he had a good second year, in my opinion, by all accounts. So now we go into year three excited about him, looking for that jump. We hear all offseason Jordan Palmer talk about how he's working the hardest out of any NFL player. And he comes out, he doesn't perform well, he's a terrible coach, he has terrible skill positions, his offensive line is nine different ones throughout the year, maybe eight different ones. It's on him. It's on the team. I don't know. I can't give a percentage of what I blame Sam Darnold versus what I blame the situation. But me and Mike agree, you have to move off him if you're the first pick. The second pick for me, I, I still think if the Jets go 1-15 and, and Darnold does not have – if he plays eh or not good for three games, you need to address the quarterback position in the draft. But what do you do? I would rather, and I know this is probably unpopular, trade back a little bit and maybe take a quarterback like Zach Wilson and Mac Jones if you're going to take a quarterback. If Darnold says, if Douglas says we're keeping Darnold, then the fans need to take a reset and then have a new discussion. If we're taking a quarterback, I don't think it's crazy to, ha- to trade back to three or four, get a ton of assets, and take a quarterback if you value them over Justin Fields. Because the difference between Lawrence and Fields, I think, is much more significant than Fields to Zach Wilson or Mac Jones or Trey Lance or all Trask, the rest of the guys. Kyle Trask. I just, I, I'm not I saying that's agree. Move. I think we need to wait. I, I don't want to get too hypothetical, but I don't think it's crazy to say if if a team, if you think, if you're Joe, Joe Douglas and you think Zach Wilson is the same as Justin Fields and you can get back a first and a second, you have to do it. Right. Well, look, so many things, it, it, it always goes back to the, the uh, almost overused expression, if the team loves the guy, the quarterback, you got to take him. So if Joe Douglas falls in love with Justin Fields, whatever, then that's going to be the whole, that's going to be the end of it. If the Jets have the second pick. Remember, the Jets mm-hmm. only have a, still only have a 78% chance to get the first pick. Uh, remember, like Trump won the election in 2016 with an 80% chance against him. So things like this happen. Obviously, the Jets could win a game. They almost won a couple games. The Jaguars, uh, you Broncos, know. Broncos, Patriots have been losing, right. Um, Mike, the thing is, I, but I agree with you, Matt. If, of course, if the Jets like one of those other guys, they could trade back and try to get him. I I still, I don't know. These guys aren't a short sure thing. I'm not so happy. Like next year, if you tell me we go into next season with Kyle Trask as our quarterback or Mac Jones, I still would say fuck that and rather have Sam Darnold. I don't, I just would. You know, I'd rather take a chance on Sam regaining the form that he did than one of these random, you know, quarterbacks. Yeah, I think also with the the strong quarterbacks in the draft, it does hurt Darnold's trade value for a team that might be looking to get a young quarterback on their roster and potentially build around the, the, the potential he had going into the NFL. And the point is, though, if you get a second-round pick for Darnold, and that's a mid-second-round pick, the Jets are staring down the barrel of having five picks inside the top 65, which is just bananas. Yeah. Well, the thing with Darnold is things, again, we say it all the time, things change so fast in the NFL. Think about Matt Flynn, 2011, had one, he played one game. He did throw for 480 yards, but he played week 17 in 2011 and got a huge contract from the Seahawks before they took Russell Wilson. Then Russell Wilson beat him out in camp. So, you know, if Sam Darnold comes out week 17, those were 300 yards and the Jets do end up losing out. And of course we take Trevor would help. It makes a difference. These are important, important games for the Jets from that standpoint. I'm with you, buddy. 
I, I just look back. If you told me week one that, you know, Jets, Bills, Dolphins, and you gave me a blank record of what the teams were right now, I'd put my house that the Jets were either the Dolphins or Bills record. And the fact that they're 0-13 is just – I'm done, man. I just want to fast forward. And you have the Rams coming up. You're a 17-point underdog, and they're the number one defense. You put up three points against the 31st defense. Now you're going back to California and the West Coast against a team that is first in the NFL in total defense. What do you do? Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter because no matter what happens, the same game plan every time. It's going to be they're going to start the game. They're going to run a stretch play to Frank Gore to the left. Then they're probably going to get like a field goal on the opening drive after some bullshit near red zone play calling. Then it's going to sputter. The defense is going to get ripped apart. Jared Goff leads the league in completions. Uh, the Rams, you know, Joe Cap had a very good tweet. He said, uh, Sean McVay having 10 days to pre- prepare for Adam Gase is like Bobby Flay having 10 days to prepare a hot pocket. So it's incredible. It's a really analogy. good analogy. I mean, it's not, it's, it's vicious. It's going to, it's not going to be good. The Rams are finally uh, figuring out how to run the ball again. Cam Akers has been great recently. He had 29 carries for 160 yards in their uh, last game. So it's probably going to be ugly. The Rams have a very – they're very solid all around. They have a very good pass rush. Jalen Ramsey has been playing well. They're uh, – you know, they have Troy Hill who had a pick six the other week. Michael Nania highlighted him in, in the uh, available free agency. He's a cornerback. They have the guy Darius Williams has been really good. The rookie corner. They have playmakers all over on that defense. Leonard Floyd has been an unbelievable pickup for them, the outside linebacker. He has seven and a half sacks. He's been great. The Rams are really underrated. And the cool thing about the NFL this year is – there's a lot of teams that could win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like if you told me one of these 10 teams won the Super Bowl, I would be like, oh, okay. You have, yeah. you know, teams like the Rams and the Colts are underrated and the Saints, the Packers, the Chiefs, of course, the Steelers, the Bills are a real contender. Um, even the Ravens, of course, could win the Titans. There's so many good teams. A lot of AFC teams in that too. Which is Yes. Crazy. The AFC is getting much, much stronger than it was. Um, so we'll see. I mean, but this week should probably be ugly. I mean, I just, you just wish like, again, if the jets are going to lose 30 to 13, throw the ball fucking 35, 40 times, throw the ball 35, 40 times. I want to see what Sam can do is the end of the, we're nearing the end of the time, but it's better for Sam. It's better for the jets trade value, Sam's future. Potentially Sam goes crazy and the jets win two games then you at least have maybe think about keeping him. What are they going to do? Win maybe 17-14 one game and then just have a worse problem? Tough. It's tough. It's tough sledding right now. But I'm very excited for how quick after this season ends, the fun will begin. So you got to remember the Jets hired Adam Gaze on January 10th. Meaning that when the season ends on January 4th this year, within two weeks, you'll have a new head coach that we can all love and talk about and look at things they've had in the past. You can look up mic'd up moments and press conferences and get and buy all into a coach. When you're done with all that, they're going to do off-season workouts. We'll see our guys working out. And then it's full-on free agency and draft prep. And I cannot wait for that three-month period to begin because think of how quick we went from getting Becton and Mims and having that draft to week 15 in the NFL. 
Yeah. How fast did that go by? Yeah, this this year was obviously strange, you know, with COVID, but just what a horrifying. This is, of course, the worst season ever. It's nothing ever, nothing, like we we talked about with uh, when we had Nanny on, we did our top five moments of the season, kind of tongue-in-cheek, and we said literally the best moment of the season was Marcus May forcing a fumble on Josh Allen week one. Definitely. Like, that's insane. That's the best moment of the season. And then that and the Darnold's running against the Broncos was the, were the only two times we really were, like, jumping around cheering. Horrible. I yeah. can't even. Yeah, it's tough. Mike, did you, when you watched the highlights of the game, did they show the bless Austin penalty that led to a first down? I um, did. No, I watched the highlights watched, again this morning. Not in the highlights, but I saw... You know, so when it, I was it was probably third and 20. They do, I think, I want to say they did a draw. It's like fourth and five now. They're going to have to kick a field goal, a long field goal, or they'll have a punt. And Bless Austin just takes it off his helmet. He's talking to the ref. He, like, stuck his tongue out at the bench and then kept talking to the ref and then gets an unsportsmanlike conduct and they get the first down. It's like the Key and Peel skit where he's not supposed to, you know, pump his legs and then he, he does the, the triple pump. Oh, the triple pump. Incredible. Yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers did that as a touchdown celebration last year or early this year. <laughs> Can't remember. But another team, the Packers are fucking good, man. I, it's just so many teams. The Packers could win. Even the Bucks could win with Brady. Of course they could. Yeah, I mean. Who who would be your team that you would want to win the Super Bowl this year? Because I think we can obviously cross off the Bucks. We don't want to see Brady. No, fuck that. We cross Oof. off the Bills. We don't want to see the Bills getting no, no Dolphins. Even though if the Bills anyway. weren't in the AFC East and the Bills didn't have the guy that's going to be compared to, to Sam Darnold for a long time, I wouldn't hate the Bills team. I think they're young. They play hard and they're good coached. So I don't. If it, it, it was a different circumstances, I would like the Bills. But Bills and Bucks are two teams I do not want to see. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I love Phil Rivers, so I've been rooting for the Colts all season. So Colts or Titans, the though? Jets. You love how the Titans play. I love the tight the way the Titans play football, but I like Phil Rivers more than Ryan Tannehill. Um, oh, I love Phil Rivers, and a lot of the guys you know we play fantasy with and whatnot keep talking shit about Phil Rivers talking shit, you know. He has no arm strength, whatever. He's making all the throws. I put together a nice video of him yesterday. You know, he ripped a 20-yard pass to T.Y. Hilton on the sideline, then threw a 20-yard pass to Jack Doyle up the middle, a couple of bombs to Hilton. Um, I love that team. I think Rivers is very underrated. I'm, you know, the guy should be a Hall of Famer. He played on some important teams. He played in the AFC Championship game in 2008 with torn, uh, torn ACL. Or in 2007, and if, and he never bothered the Jets. The Jets, the one time they played in the playoffs in 2009, the Jets won. Um, so I have no ill will towards Phil Rivers. I'm happy he's doing well, and I will be rooting for the Colts this year in the playoffs. Anything I usually, don't, else, I usually don't care so much about me neither. Another team, fuck them. But at least something. Do, no. do we have anything else? Because that game, Jamal Adams obviously broke the sack record. It was a bullshit sack. It was a touch sack on Darnold out of bounds, but he broke the sack record for a defensive back eight and a half, and he's missed multiple, multiple games. Yeah, he missed four games. He's in his impressive season. I mean, 
it's fun that he's having a terrible coverage season and Rich Samini was getting on him on Twitter, which is fun because when Rich Samini jabs, it's always like we talked about this the other week. It's a very like almost professional jab that is based in fact and makes sense. So sometimes he gets a little annoying. He'll be like in a pissy mood, it seems like, and he'll just tweet something bad about like the Jets. We're like, we get it. You know, like he was tweeting about Jason Myers yesterday. Like, all right, we get it. I understand why the Jets didn't re-sign Jason Myers to a ludicrous con- uh, a big contract, you know, after his one fluky season. And then this year he's perfect. But, yes, yeah, Samini was jabbing at Jamal Adams. He said, look, Jamal dropped the pick. Like, that's why it's not an $18 million a year safety. And it's it's not like it's one play. It's a big sample size where he just doesn't make a lot of plays in the passing game. Um, but, look, he impacts the game near the line of scrimmage. I say it all the time. Jamal Adams had an opportunity to leave the Jets and be the like be looked upon as he was in the right, and we would still root for him not on the Jets. I cannot believe so how easily strategically him and his team fucked that up so bad because even look even this week I think Jamal Adams mostly said the right things. He said, "Look, Jets fans are are tough. They care a lot. They're great fans, and I hope one day they can turn it around." He that Adam Gates and I had our differences, but uh, I have no ill will against him. And but that's it. If he just stopped there, but then he t- likes tweets about the Jets fans being racist I, I, and right. That was before, but this okay. week he hugs Adam Gates after Adam Gates says, "Go get one." Adam Gates is also saying all the right things right now, so he can somehow get a job in the NFL in 2021. But all Jamal Adams had to do was look, tell inside door, say, Douglas, I want to get moved or I want a contract. And we could hate him for it. We can love him for it, whatever. He didn't need to be telling people to come get him. He don't need to lie about what actually happened in the trade deadline when you said that you were depressed and your dad called the team, called teams and agents trying to get your, 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 your guy moved. You can't have it both ways. You can't say the Jets were shopping me when in reality you and your dad are talking to your agent about leaving. It's just he had – I get it. He is a energetic, young, incredible athlete who loves social media, was very popular quickly. He was the most beloved Jet on that roster by far. Even, yeah. I would say, potentially more than Darnold, he would stay at every single event, sign every autographed jersey. He did everything he could, and he got some bad advice by some bad people. He didn't bet on himself when he was 24. He kept saying that yesterday. I bet on myself when I was 24 years old. And I <laughs> He's just I playing his rookie contract. What are, yeah, what are you talking about? Oh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, Jamal, but imagine if he said the things that Sam was saying, because Sam is playing poorly and saying the right things. Jamal was playing well, even if he saw the writing on the wall with Adam Gase. I mean, you know, like you're a hundred percent right. Just don't, you don't have to be a dick about it, like a <laughs> fucking dick bag and make everyone hate you because he's wrong. You had a chance. I don't, I truthfully, and I, I, I will get slacked by you and by people saying it. I don't think he's a bad dude. I think he was a bad dude for like four months, five months, and that and it's on him. I uh, fuck. I disagree with you. I think he's. A, I know. I think he's a fucking asshole because you can't <laughs> you can't say the the stupidest shit for four straight months every second and not be an asshole because you have to have some self awareness and be like I'm an asshole. Like what he did was clearly like, not strategically smart either. So it's not like you know when Revis was doing it, he was quiet but being a conniving dick, but doing like what made sense for him and actually, you know, 
it actually benefited him. What Jamal was doing, just being a, a irritating dick. So I don't have a lot of respect for him at all. When I see his face, I get mad. I get like, you, you should be, I should be sad as an all pro player that was young and the leader of our defense. I'm looking at his picture on pro football reference. I want to vomit because he's a fucking asshole. That's what I really feel about him. He's, he's sickening to me. Yeah. I have, a, I have a, an autographed, authentic Jamal Adams. We loved him. And I, don't know, he, I don't know what to do with it. Dude, he made us hate him. It's, I have his jersey, too. I loved him. We spoke highly of him. We gave him credit for every good thing that he did. We, you were the one that said every second he's the last guy on the practice field signing autographs, doing the right thing. If we had a whole roster of Jamal Adams, it would be the best thing ever, and he really turned out to be a dick. What yeah. a shame. Imagine we yeah. had him in May for the next however many years. They better resign May now too. May is really turned into a real player, which is, you know, just great for the for the team. Yeah, got to bring back May. Um, I think to your point, it takes a lot for me and Mike to not like a player. Even in four and twelve years, we're talking about how cool that tackle was by this backup linebacker, and we're rooting for the guys. Usually, there's one or two people on the team that we really don't like because they underperform where they were drafted, and they're just not good people. <laughs> And that's fine. We can we can have that take, but this year I I'm not even kidding. I don't root for many people on the team. Like very few people do I watch them, and I'm like, oh, good for them. Like good play. Oh, just such an infuriating year to be a fan of this team. And I can't wait to just hit a reset button. Ah. Uh, well, you know, if everything holds true, we're gonna be in a good spot. Even you know, we wanted Sam so much. But at this point, of course, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence time. That's hey, a nice consolation six, for the us. The guy's been in the spotlight since he was 14 years old. So we know he's, he's active. He seems like a good dude, and I'm looking forward to it. We should talk coaches next next podcast. We can talk coaches now. Yeah? I, mean, I got to look into it. I got to see. Because now it looks like Cower is not. I don't know about that. Because, yeah, he's he specifically said he's not going to talk about another – guy's job while he has a job you know yeah so it's a bad misquote that everyone ran with but right yep Meh. all right we got it is that it i think that's good you talk about any twitter beefs that happened today should we we can yeah let's do it so i got i got blocked by uh what's his name the boy wonder paulie paulie bruz I actually only have had positive interactions. I think he got mad one time when I said the New York Titans had good uniforms. He tweets very negative stuff. I've seen him for years, and I've always, you know, not a big deal. Seems like an okay guy, doesn't have bad intentions. But then he he claimed that I had some corny tweets, which I think is hilarious because he tweets at Vanessa Hudgens daily. He talks about WWE girls and how beautiful they are. Very interesting guy, and and I hope he figures out because sometimes he looks a little upset on Twitter, which is you know, tough year. I get that, but I don't know why people block people. I, people tweet me all the time that I can't stand. I'll just mute them or I'll interact with them and hey, say, Hey dude, DM me, which is a weird, it, it's just an interesting move. And I didn't know he blocked me until I saw a tweet that said tweet unavailable. And I was like, that's weird. And then I clicked on it. And it was blocked. Weird move. I didn't, I didn't really, get I don't it. know. He gets aggressive with me sometimes too on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. He's like kind of angry and, I don't know what his issue is. The best move I always do is if I tweet something and someone replies like negative and I'm like, all right, maybe that's a negative person. But if they interact with a lot of tweets and then out of nowhere, it's saying negative, 
I'm like, hey, dude, DM me. Some guy DM me. We talked for about a half hour, and he seemed like a great guy. And it was a positive conversation. If Paulie thought some of my tweets, and look, I'm not one to, to, I, I might miss the mark a few times. I don't think I ever tweet anything like edgy or like really bad, but um, I'm, I'm looking back at my tweets. I don't know which one offended him. No, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> it's interesting. And I would, I'm fine to take it from anyone, but I think that dude's probably the corniest person on Jets Twitter. So it was, it was an interesting, interesting move, but Hey, no bad blood. I think as we continue to grow, he'll probably see my name more and more that will pop up as an unavailable tweet on his timeline. But yeah, I'm really excited. I, we, I made the account in February and we're almost at 4k. So we're, we're flying right now. God, I have a, we have such good followers, man. If you made this far in the podcast, you know how we feel about you. Um, just very lucky to have a good crew on Jets Twitter and spread positivity, have fun, give fact-based Jets takes, and then go from there. That's it. That's the name of the game. Name of the game. All right, Mike, it's been a pleasure. As always, if you've made it this far, do not forget to subscribe, rate, review, DM us if you have any questions or ever want to talk. We are always open to having Jet conversations. If you want to come on the pod, let us know. We'd love to have you on for even a small segment or trivia. Mike, any parting words for the fans? Look, uh, it's been a tough year, but good times are always ahead. We can only go up. Better days ahead. Well said, Mike. Mike, I'll talk to you soon, and, and thank you all for listening.